Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Let's pray. Father, we do come before you now. We ask you, Lord, to feed us till we want no more. Lord, feed our hungry souls from your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis 41, 41, verse 28. Genesis 41, 28. This is the thing which I have spoken unto Pharaoh. What God is about to do, he showeth unto Pharaoh. Behold, there come seven years of great plenty throughout all the land of Egypt, and there shall arise after them seven years of famine, and all the plenty shall be forgotten in the land of Egypt, and the famine shall consume the land. And the plenty shall not be known in the land by reason of that famine following, for it shall be very grievous. For that the dream was doubled unto Pharaoh twice is because the thing is established by God and God will shortly bring it to pass. Now therefore, let Pharaoh look out a man discreet and wise and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh do this and let him appoint officers over the land and take up the fifth part of the land of Egypt in the seven plenteous years. And let them gather all the food of those good years that come and lay up corn under the hand of Pharaoh and let them keep food in the cities. And that food shall be for store to the land against the seven years of famine, which shall be in the land of Egypt, that the land perish not through the famine. The thing was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and the eyes of all servants. Pharaoh said unto his servants, can we find such a one as this is, a man in whom the spirit of God is? Pharaoh said unto Joseph, For as much as God has showed thee all this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou art. Thou shalt be over my house, and according unto thy word shall all my people be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than thou. Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See, I have sent thee over all the land of Egypt. Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand, put it upon Joseph's hand, and arrayed him in vestures of fine linen and put a gold chain about his neck. He made him to ride in the second chariot which he had. They cried before him, Bow the knee. And he made him ruler over all the land of Egypt. Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without thee shall no man lift up his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. Pharaoh called Joseph's name Zaphnath-Paneah, and he gave him to wife Azaneth, the daughter of Potipharah, priest of On. Joseph went out over all the land of Egypt. Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt, Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went throughout all the land of Egypt. In seven plenteous years, the earth brought forth by handfuls, and he gathered up all the food of the seven years which were in all the land of Egypt, laid up the food in the cities, the food of the field, which was round about every city, laid he up in the same. Joseph gathered corn as the sand of the sea very much until he left numbering, for it was without number. 
Okay, now this is such an interesting portion here because this is right in the in this history of Joseph. We're at the point where Joseph has been brought out of prison. He's seen first as he comes out of prison. He's this despised young Jewish prisoner slave. And God has highly exalted him and given him the interpretation to Pharaoh's troubling dreams. And so he's told Pharaoh about these dreams. And he said, look, those aggressive thin cows that you saw that ate up the fat cows, it didn't look any better for having eaten up the fat cows. And those aggressive thin ears of corn that ate up the fat ears of corn, and they didn't look any better for having eaten up the fat ears of corn. He said, he told him, he said, that, that, that two dreams were actually one. They're one. And God was telling you what he's about to do in Egypt. And he's telling him, he's saying to him, Joseph is saying, the number seven is the, it represents years. It's first seven years of plenty, seven years of famine. And he said, now God has doubled this dream to you because God is really emphasizing to you that it's going to surely happen and you need to do something. And so those are very important words as we transition in Joseph's telling the dream here in verse 33 when he uses these two words, now therefore, now therefore. So he's telling him, this is like a warning to you, Pharaoh, and now you have to do something, now therefore. And you know, when we see Joseph doing that, explaining the warning that's coming and then going to the now therefore, it's really a picture of us as a model in how we should how we should bring the gospel to the lost. I mean, just as Joseph told Pharaoh, there's going to come a time, first of all, of, of great famine. We tell the lost, hell is real. The devil is not some red, you know, with a long tail and a pitchfork. <laughs> it's real. And, you know, although people may use this term very lightly about hell, being cast into hell is very real. And so just as Pharaoh was told by Joseph, the coming famine is very real. And then he transitions, now therefore, the, the, the transition, act now, act now. What? Receive him. We were just singing this morning in the breaking of bread, this hymn, my redeemer. Receive him until you can say, my redeemer. He's no longer the lamb of God. He's my lamb of God. Very personal. And so therefore, it says there in, in verse 33, now therefore, let Pharaoh look out a man discreet and, and wise. So Joseph, when we look at Joseph and how he is talking to Pharaoh, he's very systematic in his message. He's told, and, and now in a very systematic way, he's giving to Pharaoh his first priority. His first priority. He has, uh, I mean, um, and he has elevated to the first priority, find the man. Find the man. He doesn't tell him what the plan is. At first, he tells them, find the man. Then he tells them the plan. See, what most people do is the following like this. Most people come along and say, Pharaoh, first, there's going to be these seven years of great plenty, and then there's going to be these seven years of great famine, and I've got a great plan to stave off this destruction from the famine. The plan is, Pharaoh, that you go and you, you gather up all the surplus during the seven years and you use that to feed all the people during the, during the seven years of famine and, 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 and that's it. And now I can elaborate on the plan if you want, but this is it. And then all the heroes would say, that's a wonderful plan. You know, that's so elegant. It's so simple. It's so absolutely brilliant. 
And then let's start putting this plan together into action. See, most put the plan before the man. And most just assume that because we've got such a wonderful plan, we've got such a brilliant plan, that the plan is just going to happen. And most would assume that the plan is going to drive the man. And that's not true. I mean, I can tell you from my own personal experience of over 40 years in the biotech business that, that it's a very common pitfall of putting the plan before the man. And that's, this, is, this, is, this, is, this is not what Joseph did. Joseph didn't, didn't put the plan before the, he put the man before the plan. And the reason that, because the man is more important than the plan. Because if the man is not good and the plan is good, the plan will not drive the man. And by the same token, if the man is good and the plan is bad, then the man is going to change the plan. Okay? <laughs> and, so, and so that's what happens. And this is true of business. This is true of ministry. The man comes before the plan. And this is what Joseph meant in verse 33 when he said, Now, therefore, let Pharaoh look out a man, discreet and wise. So Joseph knew that Pharaoh was in danger of slipping into two ruts. See, the first rut that Pharaoh could slip into would be the rut of putting the plan before the man, like we've been talking about. The second rut that he could slip into, that Pharaoh could slip into, would be to... Well, that's a very interesting uh, explanation that you've given there, and and uh, let me think about it, you know, and do nothing, and so uh, you know, and and that would be the danger that Isaiah spoke about when he said in Isaiah fifty six twelve, Isaiah fifty six twelve, come ye say they, I'll fetch wine, I'll we will fill ourselves with strong drink. And tomorrow shall be as this day and much more abundant. So, I mean, you know, when the harvest starts to come, he says, whoa, you know, look at this. There's no more trouble. We're on easy street now. Let's not trouble ourselves. Let's not break a sweat over this whole thing. See, that's the danger of saying tomorrow's going to be as today and much more abundant. So to keep Pharaoh from falling into these two ruts, of either doing nothing or putting the plan before the man, he says to Pharaoh in verse 34, let Pharaoh do this. Let, you know, don't, just, don't, don't, don't just be a hearer of my word, be a doer of my word. That's what, in essence, he's saying there. So he's really pushing Pharaoh at this point. And we can imagine everybody in the room kind of saying, oh, don't put your luck, pal. <laughs> you know who you're talking to? This is Pharaoh that at the drop of the hat, you know, just because he's not happy with you, cuts off people's heads like you did the chief baker. You know, I mean, you don't know what Pharaoh is thinking of you, you know, and you're pushing him now, say, let Pharaoh do this. This is a little risky for you, buddy, you know. But Joseph, he doesn't care. He doesn't care about what others think or what Pharaoh thinks. He only cares about Pharaoh's welfare and Egypt's welfare. And so he pushes them. In verse 34, Jewish people never push anybody. I don't understand that part. But anyway, that's what he does. (laughs) And he gets into the plan now, and then he tells Pharaoh, okay, okay, now, first the man, then the men. In verse 34, let Pharaoh, let him appoint officers over the land. First the man, then the men. So you hear Joseph, he's telling Pharaoh, what he needs to do is find a man, but, and he realized this man cannot do the job by himself. 
He's telling me that a man cannot be, he can be the most brilliant man with great abilities, he can't do it. This is another downfall, very common downfall in business where you know a hot shot person rises and he comes into the organization and all eyes are on him and he thinks he can do all the work by himself and he's constantly asking his subordinates, what are you doing? And no, you should do it this way, telling them how they should change and do it better. He's not interested in the advancement of his subordinates. And in fact, he feels threatened by his subordinates because you know they might try to take his job. So oftentimes, he ends up criticizing his subordinates to keep them clearly at a lower level than him. Now, that's a quick formula for disaster. And so what Joseph is saying here is that the officers under, the the men under the man, the officers under the head man are very important. And what he needs to do, what Pharaoh needs to do is give authority, give authority to those men so they don't have to always be running back to the head man and ask him to sign off on everything. You know, people come to me, they they come to me sometimes come to me and they say, okay, would, here, they lay out something and say, now, you know, I can't make this, can't go forward to, you make the decision there. I say, you make the decision, what do you decide, you know? And, and so I always go back and I say, if that's your decision, I support it, <laughs> okay? Because what Joseph is saying here is that in Pharaoh's food management organization, which is what this is all about, in his food management program, there must be a chain of command. And there must be respect for people in the chain of command, and they have to be given authority to make decisions that are in the chain of command. And so the people that need to be found have to be people of unwavering loyalty to Pharaoh. Okay, then Joseph reveals more of the plan. He's going more of the plan now. Verse 34, he says, take up a fifth of the land of Egypt in the seven plenteous years. Now, this means that if every year they took one-fifth, that means that one-fifth of the harvest was enough to feed for a year. And if we figure that, so, so what does it tell you? It means that there's a five times normal harvest. Now, so, and if we figure that others are coming from outside of Egypt and coming to buy food, then we can assume that Fifth may be good for two years, and so it's a tenfold, you know, harvest here. That's a tenfold harvest. Now, just see what this means. Let's assume that you are an Egyptian farming family there in Egypt. You know, look like Egyptians, but just pretend that you are for a moment, okay? And anyway, and if you have an orange grove, an orange tree grove, let's say that it takes about you know fifteen hundred oranges. Per year, you know, your family eats five a day, I don't know. Anyway, per year, so you got an average of 1,500 oranges per year coming from your orange grove. And in these seven years of plenty, what we're talking about is that that orange grove, which normally made 1,500 oranges in the year, is now going to make 15,000, okay, oranges in a year. That's a lot of oranges, you know, so, you know, has a lot of oranges. So, the, of course, the, the, the temptation is, why should I harvest all those oranges? You know, I don't need all those oranges. You know, let them waste, you know. But, but then here comes the new Egyptian IRS. <laughs> and, and they're going to tax you. And they're, gonna, they're coming in. Just picture this. They're coming in for the first year. And they're going to tax you. They're going to figure out what your gross is, 15,000 oranges. And they're going to tax you 3,000 oranges. 
So you don't care. I mean, you got 15,000, give him 3,000, you know? Okay, and so then Joseph tells that there's gonna be such a great boost in the economy, right? Which is what Trump is saying about his new tax plan. You know, we're gonna have lots of money because big boost in the economy. Anyway, okay, then Joseph told Pharaoh more specifically what the plan is in verse 35 when he said, let them gather all the food in those good years that come. In other words, don't let them waste on the trees, the vines, and so forth and lay up this corn under the hand of Pharaoh and let them keep food in the cities. So they need the officers to monitor the harvest, to calculate the 20%, and then the officers had to go get these new royal storehouses built all throughout the land there in the cities. And Joseph said in verse 35, let them keep food in the cities. So Joseph's saying, don't centralize this. You know, don't bring all the food to the capital, but decentralize it because it's going to be more efficient for distribution. And he says, and then he speaks to Pharaoh with this purpose and this planning for the future when he says in verse 36, the, that food shall be for store to the land against the seven years of famine, which shall be in the land of Egypt that the land perish not through the famine. So as a matter of fact, it was this statement that, that he said in verse 36 that made all the people understand why. Why they have to go to the trouble of harvesting what they didn't need and why they had to build up this food for the royal storehouses. It was against the seven years of famine. So the purpose of what Joseph is talking about is really like the ant. The ant in Proverbs 6, in Proverbs 6, 6, God gives us the ant to have a good look at. He says, go to the ant, thou sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. See, it's a female ant, her ways, anyway. <laughs> Which having no guide, overseer, or ruler. She doesn't even, you know, she doesn't have any, somebody say, now you ant, go there, do this, go that, come report back to me, give an account. She doesn't have any of that. Provideth her meat in the summer and gathereth her food in the harvest, how long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou arise out of thy sleep? Yet a little sleep, a little folding of the hands, a little slumber to sleep. So shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth, and thy want is an armed man. So the point here about this description of the ant is that she's gathering in the summer, and this is contrasted with the sluggard who just sleeps. He just sleeps. So in other words, the ant is taking advantage of the opportunity. That's the point about the ant. She is taking advantage of the opportunity. And the Lord Jesus Christ, he had this same diligence about him. When he said in John 9, 4, John 9, 4, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. So he knew his time on earth was limited, and he knew it was just an opportunity that he had, and so what he was gonna have to accomplish, he had to do it now, not tomorrow. So Joseph was telling Pharaoh that this great harvest during the years of plenty had a purpose. They, they were given for a purpose, a God-given purpose, and the purpose was gather up because the famine's coming. And most of us here in this room today now, we're not really struggling to survive. 
You know, and that means that we need to ask ourselves the question, that same question that Joseph was implying here, and that's the question is, what is the purpose for what I have been given? What's the purpose? It's not just to build a larger and larger retirement portfolio. The question for us is, what is the purpose for my house? What's the purpose for my possessions? What's the purpose? And how can I use them for this opportunity? What is the opportunity that God is going to give me that I, that's bigger than myself, that's beyond me? So Joseph now, he reveals he has an ultimate intention. And this was very important when, when Pharaoh heard this in verse 36, when he said at the end of verse 36, that the land perish not through the famine. That's his ultimate goal, that the land perish not through the famine. That's the message that resonated with Pharaoh about Joseph. It wasn't Joseph just coming out and says, oh, Joseph, you know, Joseph appearing the same, says, oh, look at me, I'll interpret your dreams. Oh, what do you think of that? No, Joseph is really activated here. He's very passionate here. And his passion is that the land perish not through the famine. The end of verse 36. And this is what Pharaoh hears. And he says, oh, here's a man who really cares about Pharaoh in Egypt. He's just come out of prison. Pharaoh in Egypt haven't exactly treated him, you know, to a luxury resort, <laughs> you know, um, on Shark El Shem, whatever that place is called there. But um, no, is it, here's a man who, even though he's been so mistreated, he's a man who really does not want to see one Egyptian perish. He doesn't want to see this. And this is the message that got through to Pharaoh and everyone in that room that heard Joseph there, they understood this about, about Joseph, that he was really working toward the end in verse 36, that the land perished not through the famine. And when we bring the gospel to the lost, they're really thinking, and sometimes they'll actually ask us, why are you telling me this? Why are you telling me this? And they're really... They're asking a question in their mind or they'll say, are you telling me this because it's your Christian duty to witness? That's what you gotta do. Are you telling me this because you want me to join your group, join your church? Yeah. Or, or as the Jews sometimes say, are you telling us this because you don't believe that your Messiah can come back until we get saved? Is that why you're doing that? And Pharaoh and everyone in the room could have asked Joseph that same question. Why why, Joseph, have you told us that this famine is coming and that you need, we need to do this? And then Joseph would give the answer at the end of verse 36. I'm telling you this because I don't want the land perish not through the famine. I mean, and after all, like we said, you know, Egypt hasn't been a friend to Joseph. So why wouldn't he care if the land perishes, of Egypt perishes, you know? He, but, because that's not who Joseph was. Joseph had a desire. He had the same desire as God's desire in 2 Peter 3, 9. 2 Peter 3, 9, it says, the Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The Lord is wanting all, everyone, every single person to come to repentance. And then in 1 Timothy 2, 4, it speaks about the will of God, who will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth.
another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. Or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Sunday Night Church is back. Join Friendship with God Bible teacher Tom Cantor at the new Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Join us early each Sunday at 4.30 p.m. for food and fellowship with Sunday evening services to follow at 5.30 p.m. Watch Tom Cantor and the service on YouTube Live, located on the Friendship with God website. Enjoy encouraging teaching from our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, in a relaxed and family-friendly atmosphere. Sunday Night Church is back, so join us at the Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum at 10946 Woodside Avenue North in Santee, California. For more information, call us at 800-247-3051, 1-800-247-3051, or visit friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org for the Friendship with God Fellowship.